Okay, what up, like listeners? Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, episode thirty-three, is it? Thirty-three. It is three, thirty-three. Yeah. On the first, jeez, the first of July. My good lord, what's happened to this year? This so, uh, <laughs> so another episode where myself, Ben, and Josh, will take a look at the news from the past week. Um, and dissect it so you don't have to go through the pain of doing it yourselves. Um, but it's been a, I don't know, it's been an up and down. It's been a kind of, I don't know, been a kind of quiet week, to be honest. Before we start... I was having to scour out different sources to find entertaining this week. Can we just take, take, take some appreciation of the weather? Because we've had, in the UK, we've had some, we've actually had summer this, this year. We've had a solid month of sun all throughout June, and now it's July, and it's still hot, so... Well, summer, so, so June wasn't summer, so it's, June was early sun. Um, <laughs> summer only is, the, we're only in full flow of sun, uh, of summer now, yeah. so... Um, Hopefully long, yeah. long make it. Should only get better. But I was talking to somebody yesterday, and because they said, oh, did you get up too much? And I was like, no, I'm not going to lie, I just, I slept. Because um, I had a, just a super long week, so I had to, just fell asleep this after, yesterday afternoon. Um and then they were like, yeah, because it loses uh, its novelty after a while, doesn't it? Actually, I'm, I could do a bit of rain. I said, no, 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 no. I slept because I'm tired. The sun doesn't lose its novelty for me ever. Like, <laughs> the fact that we've had enough of it, that I can feel like I took a nap in the afternoon and wasn't missing out because there was more of it to come, is like, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, there's no way I will be wishing for rain to come our way. I think the people in Manchester probably be wishing for that, but we'll get to that. All right, so let's start. We'll start off in the US and around the world. So, um, following last week's um, news reports, we've been reporting in regards to the news on immigration, separation of children from their parents. There's been protests in America in regards to, in relation to um, Trump's, poli- Trump's immigration policy. Uh, it's, America's interesting at the moment. The whole, the, whole, the whole issue with this immigration thing is really interesting. It's really, it's really interesting to see how people are um, reacting to it. You had Maxine Waters coming out this week selling people, if you see any person that works for Trump or Trump's administration, you see them in restaurants, um, get, call a couple of your friends, go down to restaurants, make their lives hell, if we don't agree with their, their immigration policy. Yeah, there's something wrong with She's straight up. She's just off her rocker man I, yeah. I don't even I don't even care what she's done in the past mm-hmm. she's straight up off her rocker like yeah, she always comes out with these strange outbursts but that's a particularly malicious one yeah. like she's usually just malicious against Trump um, and look at the end of the day right everybody has to have a job yeah. now I don't mind if you're saying that maybe for well I don't know I don't think it's right whatever but if you're saying it just for people directly closely tied to him or who have spoken out at speeches on behalf of the immigration policy, fine. But to flat out say anybody you see who works for Trump make their lives hell. Let me let me again just roll back to the United States Constitution of freedom of speech, which means they can choose to to say whatever they want, right? And you should be acceptant of that. Just like they have to listen to you when you're off your rocker vaccine, okay? So to say, go up there and make their lives hell, I'm like, there's something straight up wrong with it. So uh, not that I didn't think that before. I think she's just off her rocker anyway. What's really weird is that there's a there's this big hyperbole when it comes to Trump. Um, I, was, I was watching the, the Bill Marshall and they were saying, um, so one of the questions was asked, was asked to one of the guests on panelists, was what's a bigger danger, uh, a, um, a shooter, or because they, they had a shooter in America this week, and um, or Donald Trump? And the woman was like, Donald Trump's the biggest, is the bigger danger, is more worrying than a shooter. And I was like, well, not really. Donald Trump doesn't go into schools and shoot schools up. Yeah, I, okay, go on. Um, I think people, 
people saying, oh, Donald Trump's inciting violence against journalists. I'm like, I haven't, I haven't seen any journalist being killed by one of Donald Trump's supporters yet. It's, it's just, it's just this massive hyper, hyper, um, over, 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 I can't even talk now, but it's just this big hullabaloo about Trump, which I don't, I just don't understand. It's like, people are saying uh, he's a Nazi, he supports Nazis and stuff. I'm like, but, when you see a real Nazi, like, there are times when you have real Nazis, you're not having real Nazis, so you have people that are racist and saying racist things. But I, until it actually happens, what are you, what you protesting? Are you just protesting someone that has different opinion in yourself or different viewpoint in yourself? I haven't seen Donald Trump go, oh, we should, arrest, um, we should arrest journalists, we should arrest people, we should arrest people from CNN because I don't agree with their policies. These girls don't listen to them. I don't know. I think America's crazy. Yeah, I don't... Um I kind of well, I don't know who said it. I can I can appreciate if the contrast could be made between um, a shooter versus Donald Trump, and if you don't agree with Donald Trump, then potentially him being a danger. Because so Donald Trump is the United the president of the United States. Now you you take take the person away from the situation. A president always has the ability to be more dangerous than a single shooter. Yeah. Because they they carry the the power of a nation, right? Um, so, but. I suspect that wasn't the position that they were coming from because Americans just, especially the media, does just like to be against Trump. Um, in this sense, what was interesting, look, basically what happened with this is, because, uh, do you know what, and, and, we're t- and we're getting a bit into this over here, as we'll touch on later, another week, another march in London, but the US just like to march. Yeah. They just like to march about stuff. And basically, what had happened is, clearly, these lot had already arranged this prior to him revoking the, changing the um, law week and a half back, where he said, yeah, they're not going to split families. So then they switched this to, okay, yeah, well, he's not going to um, pull any more families apart, but this needs to deal with the 2,000, I think, uh, children kept from their families already. But it's just, it, it's a general trend for me of, and I thought about this when I was linking this, when I was thinking about the NHS March story, which we'll, we'll touch on later. But I would, how much money goes into each and every one of these protests and march, right? And how much benefit does that serve people? So think of all the placards that they have to put together, all the billboards, all the signs, all the coordination, all the security, all of that put together, all of the travel costs and the accommodation for not for everybody who turns up, for the people who organize it, right? And I'm thinking, I'm not saying that that goes directly back to government money because it's not, it's independent parties which are doing this, right? But they clearly have something that they want to stand up for in defense of that cause, right? And marchers for me just are, in general, in this day and age, just not working. They used to work when they were a rarity, right? And because they used to hold power because they didn't happen every week. But now, they happen so often, we're just desensitized to them. And it's kind of, back in the day when you had a march, there was, you used to see serious a serious march it was a we're not going to back down until we get our way whereas now it's just like a well we'll turn up at eight we'll leave at eight we'll march and we'll make some noise but ultimately the person who they're marching against is like well when the lights go off on the street lamps they're going to go home anyway and i'm just thinking to myself have we marched ourselves out (laughs) where the purposes that and the causes that are being pushed for there's so many marches that everybody's just become desensitized to them and we just i'm I'm not i'm starting to think that Surely there must be a better way that the money being invested in these marches could be spent to actually help the causes that these people are marching for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, if they need to target the people they're marching against in better ways, 
And it's, yeah. All right. Yeah, I just think it doesn't 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 work as so this, much anymore. So this week in America, also Trump got a prank call on Air Force One. Uh, so a comedian, um, a comedian this week, um, called up pretending to be another sen- to be another sen- senator from America, and um, he got through Donald Trump, which is really. Really interesting. Well, it's quite weird, right? Because nobody's really denied it and nobody has said that it... it, So nobody's confirmed that it is Donald Trump on the line and nobody's denied it either. You can understand that stands to reason why people would do that. I mean, apparently the White House did then call a few people who know this guy to, to... do like a follow-up suggesting that it probably did happen yeah. obviously uh, well it just opens up a whole can of worms from a security perspective um white house security is a bit of a mess if you can get a prank there's, there's one thing getting a prank take doing a prank phone call right yeah. getting through to air force one is ridiculous that when all you're doing is calling up and impersonating another center that, that that's pretty shocking that you're able to do that but then you saw somebody else what was it if somebody can and then but then obviously they went oh, oh all out on blowing this out of proportion i think there was one uh article that i read which basically referenced look if a comedian can get through and dupe him then uh clearly um putin would have been able to i'm like okay yeah let's just let's just tie all the unrelated stories into one but yeah it was a bit of a this donald trump seems to never at the moment have a week without a, a dodgy pro par going on he doesn't seem to have come out and actually responded to this either so i'm guessing he's going to just try and let it Go under it's, the. Uh, it's because of the chaos. That's the chaos of his administration. It's because of, so because of people don't know what he's doing. Normally, his aides. If you want to speak to the president, you normally go for the aides. But because of he got because he circumnavigates his aides all the time. His aides don't even know if he's taking a call or not. So things can go directly to the president, which wouldn't wouldn't normally go to the president because his aides will block block it out. And he can have these um, these telephone calls with the um, the comedian was John Melendez, and he was he was posing as Senator Bob Mendes. Menendez, I mean, and um, you can you can do that because there's so much chaos. It's, it's just symptomatic of the um, Trump presidency and Trump administration. It's a, <laughs> I don't think you could do that to Theresa May, <laughs> even though she's having a lot of chaos this week. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. You could quite. Yeah, you could. Get through yeah. Her? yeah, yeah. At this moment in time, just claim to be any of her party. Well, I couldn't because I couldn't talk in the same manner as them. But just claim to be any of her party that have fallen out with her saying that they want to talk and, and make up and you could get through. And that is basically 99% of them at the moment anyway. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not inclined to think that. It's just, you, but you wouldn't want to talk to Theresa May because it wouldn't be entertaining. There, There's entertainment value in talking to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So you can understand why that would be targeted. I can't imagine, if I prank called Theresa May, I would probably fall asleep on her responses. So I don't even think you would want to do that. All right. Staying in America. Um, this week, three, sen- three senators um, put through a bill to uh, ban, and uh, put through an anti-lynching bill. Um, I'm, I read, when I read this, I, I was a bit surprised that this this is a common sense law. That was the reason that I put it in here. I was like, seriously, uh, I don't. <laughs> so I mean, they're re-raising it. What more than? And so I was reading it. More than two hundred anti-lynching bills have been introduced to Congress since nineteen eighty to eighteen, mm-hmm. only to be voted down. And I'm like, how? How? How are we in twenty eighteen? And I mean, it's I couldn't. I had to put this story in there because I'm like, I can't believe that this is just not common passage already yeah especially given the history of the, the u.s i'm like how is this never made it into law anyway the, the numbers are shocking though because it says from 1882 to 1968 4,742 people were, were reportedly lynched 
and 99% of all perpetrators of LinkedIn escape punishment. That is a shocking number. It is. That is terrifying. Well, what I don't understand, because lynching in and of itself is basically um, taken, well, what's the, I think they've got the definition of it here, but it's basically taking the law into your own hands and, and going after people as a mob, right? right. Um, for one of a, a more, to better definition. A, a more better definition? Jesus, my English is not very good today. Um, but ultimately, at the end of that, the person ends up dead anyway, right? So even absent, of an anti-lynching law that now represents that you would get a life sentence, assuming this gets passed and not lowered down again. Um, how are people getting away without them not being done for murder? Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's just, um, it, it does speak volumes about the way that um, the US criminal justice system sees crime against black people over there mm. that you could get so many people who have got away without punishment or the fact that something that has marred their history in such a visible way has still never been passed into law until it's uh, i couldn't i was i was i was shocked when i saw this to be honest um so i'm, I'm i mean and, and to be honest it shouldn't it, it also comes across slightly strange to me as well and i know this sounds like a bad thing to be saying but I also can't actually believe that no white senators have used this as a, a marketing ploy in previous yeah. years, right? I mean, the fact that it's come down to 2018 and free US, black US senators have to push for this is it, pretty, it's pretty shocking, it's to really, be honest. It is really shocking. It's really sad as well. I, I, I thought it was a, this was a common sense law. I thought simply lynching, murder, they, come, they go hand in hand. Both, they must be both legal. It's crazy. All right, same with the US and oh, my final story in the US. Oh, Imperial Brands. Um, okay, so tobacco companies have started to invest in marijuana, uh, medical marijuana and te technology. So for a long time, I find it a bit hypocritical. For a long time, a lot of tobacco companies have all. It's have, only one, by the way. It's one. It's one. Yeah. But, but for a long time, a lot of tobacco companies have been against the legalization of cannabis for for obvious reasons. Um, Imperial brands who stop stop they stopped making tobacco, haven't they? And um, are now trying to invest in. Well, they haven't stopped. They're just not. Um, they're not a very strong brand. Okay. So they're now they're now losing themselves on medical marijuana. Coming to because it's gonna come to the UK soon, and and it's already uh, it's very legal in America. So. Well, yeah. So it's I mean it, it's an interesting story, right? So it's, I mean uh, Imperial are not are not one of the I mean they put tobacco giant, but they're not they're probably third third down in from a, a global perspective. Um, they no longer make cigarettes in the UK, so they bought this um, came well Oxford based uh, biotech company, but. The thing, I don't know how this will play out, right? Because they bought it over here, but even over in the US, it's only been passed in certain states by state law. It's not. It's not government law. Um, there's already a million and one rings and circles to jump through, right? When you're a tobacco company, anyway. So it was interesting. Somebody at some point, obviously, is well, well, obvious that this is a, a potential disruptor, right? But nobody had really gone for it. I suspect this is more the sign of a. A dying brand or a declining brand saying well we we're not really getting there with the next gen kind of vape stuff we're not getting there with cigarettes so we need to go and do something so it'd be interesting to see how it plays out um i 
I see it being a long way off before anybody doing any kind of legalization over here in the UK because we can't because it's not the same as a state. So you can pass state law over here. You can't pass county law over. Uh, sorry, state law over in the US. You can't pass county law over here. But then last week that um, Lord Hague was coming out saying that we're, the UK is behind in regards to their their thinking in relation to medical marijuana. Yeah, but that that was that was just marijuana oil in okay. relation to helping from medicinal purposes where. It would have to go through. I can't. I can imagine multiple levels of bureaucracy to get that signed off from a medical agent, right? Um, I yeah. I can't. It seems a long way off for me because, like I say, in the states, it's a bit easier because you can just pass the state law. Whereas here, yeah, who and who's really going to push for it in a day and age where Jesus, we can't even tie our shoelaces in our government, let alone get far enough to work out how to get our heads around legalization of marijuana. Yeah. Watch this space. Um, so moving to the UK and, and Europe. Um, EU fires warning at the UK that time is running out on reaching a Brexit deal. This is no shit, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, but it's picking, it's picking up pace more this week. So you've got, you've got Juncker and Barnier coming out and basically saying, look, uh, well, I think uh, well, Donald Tusk came out and said this is the last call for making a deal, i.e. they want to see the UK putting their cards on the table and saying what their position is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've got Juncker who came out and said something something similar. You've got the um, PM in Ireland who has basically said that this is nonsense, you need to speed up your talks. In the, the back, behind all of this, you have Theresa May who is who set up kind of a, a, a few days at Checkers with her whole cabinet of which is falling apart anyway um which should be where they hammer out the deal seems to me like they seem to be going in completely disjointed so i'm thinking to myself well you've not managed to come up with a position in the last 12 to 24 months and now you're expecting to just get everybody together one fix the unrest in your cabinet and then reach an agreement none of this speaks to the fact that that's going to happen i mean she left the last it was quite interesting because there was an eu summit which she left before the last, so she left before the last day to come back. There was no, there was no developments made. This is the last one before October. October will basically be the last call before. Um, so if there's no deal in October, then there's, I don't understand how we get out by March. Yeah. Um, I still think that there is that. This gives further fuel to the petitions put forward for there to be a referendum for the final vote on, well, a vote on the final deal because at the moment it's looking like it would be very simple. The vote is we Brexit we. We exit the EU with complete uncertainty, or there's a plan that we're not happy with. But at the moment, I can't see that there's going to be. A pl- I just don't even think there's going to be a plan. It's no. do you want to exit in complete uncertainty, oh. or do you want to have a fifty percent of a plan that they're going to claim to be a hundred percent of a plan? I was reading the news and I was thinking, looking at all the negatives in regards to Brexit. I just thought to myself, any government, any government still pressing ahead with this, of actually trying to put it to the people and say, look, this is it's not worth it. Because the jobs are gonna go. Like if they don't agree, if they don't reach agreement, companies are threatening. When they're threatening, they're not empty threatening. They're empty threatening. Not a word. Empty threatening them. They actually these are these are, these are understandable worries that companies are having because of if you're importing and exporting, you need to understand what what the impact will be of um, the EU deal between for your company. So if you haven't got a deal on there, it leads to so much uncertainty and it can lead to investors not wanting to invest in your company. So um, I can't see... It's like, why are you pressing on... It's like, the, the government know it's a bad deal. They know Brexit's stupid. 
but they still press ahead with it because they think the, pe- the public wants it. But the public can be stupid as well. The people, uh, you should be leaders, not, I don't, I don't understand when people, they abdicate their own responsibilities. They let, the, let the, like the majority, which is like 2%, not even 2%, like a percentage, uh, like 1%, and determine, um, could be having this, I'm repeating myself, but determine our future, and this is stupid. It, it, it really what, is stupid. What, what's quite, it's, it's funny, because I was listening to um, the BBC have a Brexit cast, uh, it's like a podcast that I think is, I don't think is every week, but there was talk, they were mentioning David Cameron on there, and they there was just a brief conversation about should he have stayed for longer, and and I and I don't know why I'd, I'd overlooked thinking about this before, but so David Cameron left after the Brexit referendum yeah. on the basis of he was the prime minister and didn't believe in Brexit, breakfast, breakfast, <laughs> Brexit, therefore should not stay. But then was replaced by Theresa May, who can say what she wants once she comes to power, right? But she was also against Brexit during the run-up to the referendum. Yeah. Um, obviously, it doesn't help the fact... I mean, the problem that you've got now is is there is a potential other cog to chuck into the mix that we make it to the exit date and she's not even the PM anyway. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the current questions are, can she repair the damage and destroy... The, um, disjointed. That's the, I was going to say disjointment, but the divisions within her her party, and I'm not sure that she can. You've got the Boris Johnson stuff, which yes came out. It was a behind the scenes conversation, but clearly he's not happy. Um, and every the problem is is so there was a story that came out on this is that they made it sound worse than it is that um, uh, Michael Gove ch- ripped up a EU customs report. Um, now obviously there they pointed to further splits within the cabinet and making it worse and worse. What it actually came to is they broke in, and I do, do recall that this kicked off maybe a couple of weeks ago, is that the, Theresa May created basically two teams within her um, cabinet and they were to look at different ways that you could approach the, the customs partnership. Now, Michael Gove, apparently, when he saw the report, didn't believe that this was a, uh, an accurate summary of their discussion, therefore tore it up. He, didn't act, he wasn't actually saying there, necessarily, that he didn't agree with it whatsoever. It was, this hasn't summarised what our discussion is. However, when that hits the news, it then is pointed to as further division within the, her cabinet, right? So now, it's such a volatile um, situation that even if, it's not, even if there's a story which does not point to direct division between one of her party members and her, or disagreement with between one of her party members and her, it's blown up out of proportion as if it is. Now, if you then come out of checkers in a couple of weeks and there's no position on the table and you go to the EU summit in October mm-hmm. and there is no deal, or even if there is a deal, they say, well, actually, this is the first time we've seen this and we don't agree with it and now you're out of time. How sustainable does that position of her remain as PM become, no, right? Now, if she's gone, then the issue is who takes over. And the problem is, is that whoever takes over is a poison chalice, chalice. Unless you want to have end up with Gold being prime minister, that won't happen. Or Boris Johnson being prime minister. And if that happens, it'll be back to square one because yeah. he believes in Brexit, right? But then he'd have to rewrite all of the discussions that have had today. And also, he didn't. Why would he? go over the leadership when he, when he had ample opportunity to, to become leader and he backed out. He'd be let um, Theresa May win, win the leadership. So, yeah, I think it's it's just confusing. If you're, like, you had this week, Danny Dyer going on um, 
Good Night Britain. Is it Good Evening Britain? I saw Britain. that. And what was he saying? And he was calling um, David Cameron a, a twat because if he he brought the referendum about for he brought the referendum um, about and he resigned as soon as as soon as um, he lost the vote. And it's like he's yeah. Like, that was they, why this conversation came up on the Brexit cast. Yeah, because it's like he. It's like David Cameron. People, I just think a lot of people are politically ignorant. They don't actually understand that you don't vote. You don't vote for the prime minister. You vote for the party. So um, him leaving, that's that's not a hair. It's neither here or there. It's that, it's that his party comes in. He's supposed to be prime minister. Is equal um, first amongst equals. So he he leaves his party. Um, the cabinet still. You vote for the party. You vote for your MP. He, the party comes in, says, "Okay, we want Theresa May to take us forward." She comes in, takes us forward. She might be an idiot, but that's what you, that's what you get. Um, I'm inclined to I'm inclined to agree with the sentiment and the statement, though. I don't. He, he left on a principle basis. Yeah. He left on a principle basis of I lost the referendum. Yeah. I don't think it was necessary at a point in time where you've just reached a decision of such a magnitude for you to leave if you know that. Well, if you can be ninety percent certain that the person who's going to replace you is in the same position. Yeah, but his idea was that I'll leave. We need. Um, we said that we're going to leave in two years' time after the vote. Um, I'll leave and let whoever needs to, whoever's going to take control have the most ample amount of time to get get negotiations. Yes, done. but he was leaving on the basis of saying it shouldn't be a person who doesn't believe in Brexit got pursuing with agreeing how to exit the EU. Yeah. But let's be clear: it wasn't a surprise that Theresa May was the person who got the the PM role. Right? That was that was a pretty much a given. Mm. Therefore, if the basis of him leaving was to make sure that the person who was in there should be a believer of Brexit, would it made no sense for him to leave at such pace when you could have probably done with creating more stability, uh, even if you were going to leave, create some form of, of stability before you moved on, which I don't think there's any ideal way to handle it, but to a degree, you, you could understand. And I mean, it's the same sentiment on the other side, right? Even talking Nigel Farage, who won it, he left as well. He's, he's more of a dweeb than anybody else because he managed to get what he wanted and then went, oh, we weren't actually expecting to win. I don't know what to do now. I'm going to piss off. Mm. So, and I mean, Dan, I think one of Danny Dyer's points was is nobody knows what the hell Brexit is. Yeah, no one knows what it is. Uh, but, but this is the point, and this is why the referendum went the way that it did. Yeah. It's because it was sold on a load of hyperbole on, yeah, on the sides of buses, day after which it said, oh yeah, that wasn't actually, we, we didn't actually say that. But, okay, fine. Use whatever semantics you want. You may not have said it, but you put it on a big fuck off bus. So you did say it. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's a giant mess. It's a giant mess. I, I don't, I see no way that they can get out of this between now and March, given that they've done the square root of F all in the last 18 to 24 months. Um, and I also don't see... And the thing is, I, I don't think there's... I don't like Theresa May, but mm. I don't think there's any viable replacement. Boris Johnson should not be in any point a consideration for PM of this country. I mean, I would have said the same thing about Theresa May before, and I still think she's been useless, but he would be useless to the thousandth percentile of that. Yeah, Michael Gove is awful. Um, probably be well, Michael Gove can't do any job right. He just keeps rolling into other ones. Yeah. Every job that he's been in, one, not only is he no good at it, two, he's absolutely demonised by the people who are affected by any division that he looks after. I mean, you speak to anybody in the teaching and education department, right? None of them like Michael Gove because every decision he made was of no benefit to the education um, world. All right, moving on. Um, in, in Manchester, 
uh, there's been fires in Saddleworth and more. It's, it happened, it started um, last week, Sunday on the 24th, and it's continued and the fire is still, still raging. Apparently, you can smell it from 16 miles away. So I was speaking to some of my friends in Manchester and they said, if you go to, when you go up, when you're outside, you can smell this, the smog and stuff just outside. It's, it's awful. And she lives in Bolton, so. That's uh, it's a different one. There's a different one in Bolton. A different one in Bolton? Yeah, there's, there's, there's two more in Bolton. Okay. Um, Sorry, so I, I didn't know, I, I, I was about to touch on that, and then you just said, yeah, that she is in Bowen. No, so there's the one in Manchester, which okay. started last year, which they don't know, um, last year, um, last Sunday, they're still not sure, and I did try to look around to work out what it was, but they're still not sure what started it. Um, there is another one in Winter Hill yeah. that started in Bolton. There is also another one near Bolton that started in place Scout Road. Now, because the wind changed in direction as it has, and the, the speed of the winds, um, the two in Bolton have merged to make one and exactly. now been declared a, a major incident. So you've got the one in Manchester that is separate from that, which if you see the pictures from above, I'm like, whoa, that, that's pretty shocking. Um, I mean, what, the Winter Hill Blaze stretches 1.6 square miles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then you've got the two that have come together in, in Bolton that have now been declared a major incident. So she's probably getting a smell from those ones. That one, there, I think there's a 21-year-old guy that they've arrested on suspicion of, no, 22-year-old on suspicion of arson um, because he kicked off the first fire. And the problem is, right, is they've kicked it off at a time where obviously there were... When you look up, I mean, it's funny, I was walking down to mine yesterday and obviously, you know, from walking up, there's just grass on both sides and it's all just yellow and charred because it's just, it's all dead. So it's all dried up. So that mixed with the winds, mixed with the hot weather continually um, and there's no particular... Well, there's no particular sign of storms or rain on the horizon for here. I did see that yesterday, which I thought was a bit weird. Um, the Met Office issued its first ever thunderstorm warning, which seemed, I don't know, I just, in 164 years of the Met Office, there's never been a thunderstorm warning, okay. which I found to be quite strange. Um, but they're only supposed to hit the southwest of England and uh, South Wales. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit, it's a bit concerning. The army, the army has been drawn in, um, been called in, and firefighters have been have been um, helped with by local businesses supplying them with food and water as they battle the fires continuously. Whoa. Sorry, I was going on to the Manchester Evening News site. It's one of those dumb sites which got something playing in the background. Yeah. Oh, it's a bloody advert, Kia advert as well. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's, it's all going Manchester at the moment. It's all going northwest with those with the fire. Um, it's not disrupting uh, flights and anything like that. So hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to. Um... So by ch- just looking at some of the details, it's so a by Tuesday afternoon, sixty-five thousand gallons of water have been dropped on it. Two thousand acres of more land have been destroyed. Um, Thirty-four houses were evacuated, uh, which I guess is in the grand scheme of things is not terrible. And it didn't they didn't get burned down? They just got um, evacuated out of fire. Still close to properties, but I don't think it's actually hit any properties yet. Um, that they called in the military, as you said. Um, so apparently, that is even there is a that is, so that is formed of seven seven separate fires which pulled together to make that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering if that one in some way started because of the heat just sparking something up. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's hard to hard to tell. But yes, I don't. Well, they're, they're thinking that it, it seems like one of those where it's just going to be controlling it until such time as maybe nature steps in to help it but it, it's expected that it will at least be a good few days that that still continues to blaze on for wow all right moving on 
there's been CL2 shortages in, um, in the UK. It's hit, it's hit um, pubs and, um, uh, what's it called? What do you call it? Football fans? No, football fans. Hit pubs. What's the... Um, Abattoirs. Abattoirs. Oh, and, abattoirs, <laughs> and, abattoirs. And places where they, um, where they store fresh food. I didn't understand. I didn't, I didn't realise CO2 thing shortage was an actual thing. I didn't actually think that you'd have... I thought that you'd always be able to have... An, there'd always be a supply of um, CO2. I didn't know it was that important in, in regards to packaging, um, getting putting um, fizz in our drinks. I didn't realise it was that important. Well, so I, knew, I, I knew about it. Well, well, I did, well, I don't know. Um, it, I just knew, I knew the importance of CO two from um, from science, but it, it, so it wasn't that they hit me with this. And to be fair, I didn't know that how it was how much it was used in abattoirs. And I see on that that they've suggested maybe reducing the um, the shelf life for meats because of the CO2 that goes into the packaging, which I didn't actually realise was um, put in there to extend the shelf life of salads, fresh meats, poultry, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I, obviously I knew it was used for making um, fizzy drinks and obviously for, for beer on pump, etc. What, what struck me is that this, so this, isn't, this is a shortage in as much as... Two, so at the moment, what? In the UK, only two of the five plants that supply CO2 are operating at the moment. Yeah. Now, but, but this was... So they've been closed yeah. for planned maintenance. And it makes no sense to me that this would be the time of the year that you did it for. Mm-hmm. Um, not least the fact... So, so you're thinking to you, Okay, I guess we maybe have had a hotter June than we would normally have. But nonetheless, you're going into that area of time where you're expecting people to want to go and have barbecues, which means food, Mm -hmm. which means fizzy drinks, which means alcohol. Add to that, you have the World Cup coming, right? Which means beer is going to be consumed in vast amounts. So it just seemed to me a huge error in foresight to have planned the maintenance at this time of year when I'm sure there is a way that they could have... Even if they had to close some of them, maybe they do it in ones off or twos. Don't get me wrong, I, I get logistically it would be a challenge to do, but it just seemed to me to be a self-inflicted wound here. Um, and don't get me wrong, look, in the grand scheme of things, the food side of it, I think they're still working their way around. On the beer side, look, grand scheme of things, you might want to... I mean, uh, half of the reason I put this in was I'm like, first world issues or what, we're worried about the shortage of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the pubs have spun it like, oh yeah, well, if your favourite beer is not in, then... You can just choose another one, but in general, it just struck me as a uh, just poor planning for um, from CO two factories here. So the shortage comes at the same time. Demand for food and drink, the football, the weather, the barbecues are creating the sort of demand for beer we only see at Christmas. But, but you must have seen that coming. Yeah. It just seems very very strange to me. All right, so there's been a rise in children being kept in consequence in consequence booths in academies. So um, teachers at Delta. Delta Academy Trust are sending young students to matrix booths, matrix room booths, where they must sit up, look forward, and not speak. Um, <coughs> it's these um, these punishments are, are usually after they've had one or two incidences, and usually um, usually after um, it could be a minor offence and then become a major offence. It's after it's like a free strike rule, and children are being sent there. It, it, it to me is like it's, that's really strict. Hold so let's put this in perspective, right? So, 
First off, let me just go through one of the stories on here. So my daughter broke down in tears in the car on the way home one day. She was exhausted and completely, in commas, done in. So I'm assuming what that's a quote. Um, and then she goes on to say, she was given a detention for being cheeky in class, quite rightly. However, this escalated to five hours escalation because she didn't attend her, attend her attention. Sorry, detention. Because she didn't want to tell her grandma who was looking after her that she was in detention. She's not a naughty child. She's not perfect, but she's not so naughty. She lost five hours of education that day. Okay, so she got given a detention because she was being cheeky that she admitted, yeah. and then she just didn't turn up to that detention. Mm, okay, okay, so I'll take that. Maybe a bit harsh to put her in five hours of isolation, but think back to school. I mean, I remember there were certain classes where people used to race to see who could get kicked out the fastest, right? Yeah. And when they got sent into isolation for, what, one class? I know guys that used to be in it every day. Every day for the whole week, right? Because they couldn't even be trusted to be out there. Now, they weren't crying about it. They weren't going home upset about it, right? So, one, I think this is being slightly blown out of proportion. I'm not saying that I suggest that this is the perfect way to deal with stuff. And usually when you're in isolation, you're not, it depends how often you're in there. It does depend on the school. But often, if, if you've got people who are isolated for so long, then they would still have some form of having to do their education, but absent of being around other people, right? Mm. So part of this reads uh, to me, and, and also, let's just be clear, you can call academy trust schools what you want, but academies tend to take over the schools that are the worst performing, which is somewhat ironic from a name perspective because... Academy gives it that, that view of, oh, yeah, this excellence. is an... Uh, 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 exactly. It displays that kind of core excellence of the school. But normally they get taken in to be an academy because they are poorly performing. Therefore, they are privately taken over. And now they're being marketed as being academies. Now, the only reason... And that's not going to be the issue in every instance, right? But what that means is, is that you are taking this metric from the schools which have, for all worth of means, got some of the, the most badly behaved children... And again, this doesn't really speak to... So then there's other factors you take into this, right? You also have to look at, okay, well, you, why are you... I can't help but look at this and think that there is a degree of this of saying, well, what if you're getting this increase in rates and you're getting this increase in rates of children being isolated from children who are brought up in some form of background where they're not going to the best of schools, call academies, whatever you want, but they're clearly, usually they tend to be in some of the tougher areas to grow up in, right? Mm -hmm. so which means, which is, this is another one of those where we're seeing the output of the story, but this is another one that speaks to some of the rises in crime that we've seen, which comes down to the environments that children are being brought up in, which obviously won't be highlighted on because it's easier to blame the school as the cosmetic reason for it than the reasons behind it that could lead to this behaviour in the first place. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that it's the right thing to do to put someone in seven hours. But, again, I read this. Children put in physically and mentally cruel isolation. There is also a degree of... Come on. I can't help, but I always think back to the times of... Imagine that we went into a war today and the generation that was upcoming had to be the ones that went and fought that. I'm like, we're soft. We're just... We're soft. I'm like, if you break the rules and you get put in isolation and you deal with that. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, and, and I'm not being funny, I can't remember. If, there, if one of the guys at school... I know I'm talking about guys, but even if it was one of the, the girls that wouldn't have happened, I don't think, was put in isolation and on the way home they cried because they were in isolation for the day, th that, that wouldn't have happened. Like, we weren't built like that. And this was not that long ago. I know. All right, finally from the UK. Um, this week, um, people marched to Whitehall in regards to NHS. So Ben alluded to this earlier in the, in the podcast. Um, this year marks the 70th anniversary, 70th birthday of the NHS. And um, people were marching in, and uh, 
Jeremy Corbyn dressed the crowds at Whitehall. They're marching to save our NHS. What are achieving from this? Look at that picture. Look at the picture at the top of that. And this was the one that made me think of it more. Look at all of the the materials that they've got to pull that together. How much do you think that costs? It doesn't come cheaply. Yeah. I don't know the figure of it. What I'm saying is all of those boards, all of those balloon things that they've got, the flags, the rest of it, that's not cheap to pull together. Yeah. Do you not think that a lot of marches are... Um, pointless? They're pointless, but they're also... <laughs> um, what's the word? You know when people go on social media and they... Um, what's the word? You know when people want to show people that they're... Um, they're doing good things. Virtue signaling. They're virtue signaling. Don't you think a lot of these marches are virtue signaling? Uh, well, I think in the instance of the NHS, if you look at the crowd, I think it's a representation of the older era that are used to having an NHS and don't like it being any other way. When you look at the crowd, that seems to be a dispersion of that. Usually you tend to get the, the kind of social justice warriors who are all out on a virtual signal in front tend to be the younger generation. In this instance, I would probably say it's not the majority in there in the NHS instance. But again, this is only after last week. I can't remember. I mean, it's, this is the thing. I was going there on a Saturday and there was a, a, a march. And we spoke about the march. What was it about? We spoke about it last week and I've forgotten already. And this is what I mean. By I'm not, I don't understand what it is actually achieving here. Because this, this is not going to achieve anything. So basically, they've oh, just chosen they to marched, take... They marched for second Brexit. Second Brexit. That was it. That was it. That, so that one, again. But again, all the money that was put into that, in that instance, that's slightly different. That's probably more effective because it's in vogue at the moment, right? And if you need to have a referendum, you need to show power in numbers that's about to happen. You could quite as easily achieve that by setting up a, a website that wants people to actually get a poll that could be representative of the numbers in there. But at least that in some way speaks to what's going on at the moment. This, they used the, Rea- the Health Services 70th anniversary to come and march for it. Jeremy Corbyn saying, what are the words that he used? It's the, some nonsense. We're here today, what? We're here today on this amazing 70th birthday here in Whitehall, yes, to celebrate. But do we have the absolute determination that we will go to the end of the earth and beyond to defend our national health service? What even is that? What even does that mean? What, what even does that mean? You're going to go to the end of the earth and beyond. Where? Space? Off, off, off a mountain? Like, that's kind of a biblical terminology he's trying to use. And this is the person who is, and again, don't get me wrong, I fell into the Jeremy Corbyn hype when we had the, the polls, what, last year? Um, but... That, uh, but now I look at it and I think he had a very good market play where he went after the youths. Again, when push comes to shove with him, he really has a lot of hot air and he's saying nothing. And it this is a perfect lot, example of that. He says a lot doesn't say anything. A lot of his policies, I just can't think, they're not, they're not realistic. Um, there's populists. He's, he's, he's opposite side of Donald Trump. He's a populist. He just says what people want to hear and then when it comes to reality, he can't actually do it. Well, no, I think he learned from Donald Trump very well. Because Donald Trump went and sought out the votes which he could get, and that's what he did in the UK. He was, was he put here? In the name of equality, in the name of justice, pay, and social care needs that are necessary so people can live with dignity, because he's appealing for the government to um, uh, put more money into this, right? Let's just be clear. You're in Parliament every week, and nearly every time I have watched PM's questions, Jeremy Corbyn either has a very weak attempt at taking on Theresa May or loses the battle. And to be honest, She's getting beaten and bruised from all sides, right? And he's just one person taking her on. At the very least, you should be able to display some of the capabilities to get some of the things that you want. So you have a chance every week to try and gain um, 
more funding for the NHS, but you haven't been able to pull that off. And even if we put you in power, I'm not inclined to think you'll be able to pull that off anyway. I just that I, I don't know. This just feels like the world is losing its shit and losing its mind on, well, we can't figure out the answer to stuff. I know what we'll do. We'll march. <laughs> okay. Elon Musk has been accused. I can start with text. So Elon Musk has been accused of stealing a farting unicorn picture. So um, Elon Musk, I think was it last day, tweeted a picture of, uh, of his favourite mug. It was of a unicorn farting. That same picture came about on um, one of in one of Tesla's products. It was like a it's like a sick no. So you, anyone play video games, you have things called Easter eggs, and in um, Tesla, what they did, they because they're tech geeks, they um, had an Easter egg in um, one of their products, um, which which came up as a picture of the farting unicorn. So what would happen is that to give some context, the unicorn farts electricity, and it powers the Tesla car um he's been accused of not paying paying the original artist um, he's come back out and he's had a twitter spat with the daughter um he said that he did a, he did offer to pay the artist the artist he did offer to pay he did he did he did offer to pay the artist the artist um didn't want the money and um one an, art, an independent artist drew the same drew a similar picture and tesla used it this kind of the fact that Elon Musk comes out and always comes out and um, always tries to defend himself kind of states to one of, I think one of his weaknesses because you will never see uh, Jeff Bezos coming out and responding to this on Twitter. He just ignore it. You ignore it and it'll go away. Um, the fact that Elon Musk always comes out and just to defend himself, defend his character because he he doesn't want to be seen as a um, nefarious character like a like a Jeff Bezos is seen as. Um, I think it's one of his weaknesses because he, he, I wouldn't respond to this. It's a nothing story. She's come out and said that he's he because it's obvious. If if it's copyrighted, if it's copyrighted, that guy could have taken Elon Musk to court instead of coming out and saying that he's not paid out the thing. I think he probably has to answer for this because it shows up in the Tesla. I'm just, I'm just taking in what you're saying there, and I kind of get you to a degree. I, I mean, and there are other instances where he responds, but probably doesn't have to. I think in this instance, he kind of does have to respond. The use of the coffee mug is, is, is fine. That is what it is. Okay. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't smack the same thing with the H&M um, thing where a big company and then the guy that runs it is being held account for everything that goes, from, goes on in his company. It doesn't make sense. Elon Musk made that decision to put that unicorn in the Tesla. He said that. He said that in the story, it says that he didn't do it. His team agreed for I it. I don't believe that. You think he did it? I, having everything that I've read and seen of Elon Musk and how much of a perfectionist he seems, at some point he would have been consulted about that because if he didn't want it in there, you believe it would not be in there. Um, He may have not come up with the original decision. Somebody may have just said to him, yeah, we think this would be a cool idea and he went, yes. But there's nothing that's making that. There's nothing that's making its way into a Tesla without Elon Musk knowing about it. Yeah. I just think to myself, but this, it was, but it was also a pointless back and forth because she was just persistent for no yeah. reason. I mean, he explained that yet somebody else had done an original drawing of that. He also explained, yeah, I've tried to give you money, and to which she continued yeah. to to go on about, yet yeah, you've been using creative property, and I'm like, so what? What exactly do you want now? Because even even her dad had said, right at the time, he was he was happy because he got more attention and yeah. the people were buying his mugs, right? And then it kind of turned around. And I'm like, look. <laughs> 
at the end of the day, he's he's offered to pay you. Your grounds obviously can't be that strong because if you're you're right, if there was a grounds for usage there, then you would have taken up a copyright against him. The fact that you managed to get increased exposure from it is a, is a good thing. Take that right. You've been offered money. Why don't you take that anyway? Um, it was one of those. This what this was an example of virtue signaling uh, on on Twitter. But and so many people do it on Twitter when they get a chance to this argument. Because let's be honest. Look. She will have this is her ten minutes of fame, and she will never have it again in her yeah. lifetime. That's why I think he sh- sometimes you just don't respond. Let them say what they want to say, and it will go away. People, people's attention span since two thousand eighteen is so short. And um, Dre has been hit with twenty five million um, pound, twenty five million dollar um, lawsuit payout. So um, originally. I think one of his partners um, said came about and said that he brought the idea to Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. Um, oh, he they later fell out. Let me say say the actual guy's name. Stephen Lamar. Stephen Lamar, yeah. And he they fell out, and um, he said he wasn't paid um, what he was due. Took him to court, and he's won twenty five million. You see this the, on this what this is based on. So at the centre of the dispute, there was a two thousand and seven settlement in which Dre and Iovine agreed to pay Lamar. Four percent. I know it sounds small, right? But four percent of the base price of every headphone they sold. Wow. And I know four percent sounds small, right? But for every headphone, and his argument was that they only originally had it on the original Beats, and then following this going to court, the LA jury found that the Studio Two, um, Studio Two Wireless, and Studio Three had the similar design, and because of that, they now have to pay him $25 million initially, but he'll still go on to get 4% of every one of the sales of those. I mean, guy. talk about walking away with a good deal. Yeah, very rich guy. Um, he's, he's, he's probably won this week. Uh, okay, Instagram, have, Instagram are thinking about adding a persistent stories bar in the feed. So I, I looked at this, but I didn't really go into it. So a persistent story so I, I don't think I've got this on mine yet let me just go on to Instagram really I don't think this is uh, on mine yet so basically because you know when you're on Instagram and you've got yeah I haven't got it on mine yet um, and you've got obviously the story bar at the top yeah. and then they also introduce when you get about halfway down it will then tell you oh yeah it'll give you like suggestions to you pops in and then it'll show you like a middle bar of stories but it's not really consistent on what's there so now what i think they're planning to do is to have the story bar that basically stays like it's basically frozen at the top of the screen so whilst you scroll down your your oh, feed the stories yeah. still remain at the top yeah. um i mean it was <laughs> when i opened up on this on the verge they were like there's no escape anymore i'm like well to be fair, there was this big, this big song dance. Like, yeah, they've got IGTV now. Because also, you know, since IGTV comes in, obviously under the stories, you get that little small bar now, which advertises the latest that's on IGTV as well. Um, so I think from at, le- at least from the person who tested this was a bit of disgruntled user effect, where I think they're kind of saying, I just want to be able to use the app for what I can use it for. Now, if you leave the, st- I guess you could argue if you leave the stories persistent and have the TV things that pop up as well. Could be annoying to some people. I don't think I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it. I mean, for some people, they predominantly go on there. And a lot of people now, I think, probably spend more time on the stories than the actual pictures. So I can see... And Instagram won't be using this off zero metrics, right? So, I mean, I can see... Yeah, I can see why they would do it. I can see why it will work. This is is to drive people to IGTV. And it makes sense. To get the people to go well, they need to get them there yeah, they get before them. they turn on the advertising, right? Exactly. <laughs> so that, that makes sense. It makes sense. All right. So Microsoft this week, um, a, a secret leak's been a leak's been happened. Leaks. 
Let's start again. Microsoft has been working on a secret portable uh, Surface device, and the leak for the design has been, has been released. Um, it looks like a mobile. Is it oh, this just looks so dope. Seriously, like looks sick. Uh, so it's bridging the mo- it's, it's trying to bridge the mobile phone and the laptop together to and the, the mobile phone, the laptop, and the pad together to produce one. Well, so it's, it's not that. So, I mean, it, it's been brought up over the last couple of years. And to be honest, I hadn't spent much time looking at it. But then I was looking at it in this. So, so I mean, so I've got a surf. So you can get... Right. So Microsoft went into... Tried to go into mobile. They brought out the Windows phone. I consequently actually have to have one for work. It's the worst worst thing in the world. I hate it. I can't stand it. Typing is horrible. Functionality is useless. It's just, it's just uh, I don't know, like a mobilized brick. Um, it's a piece of crap, basically. I don't like it. Um, so they failed in that. Um, and obviously then you had Apple, which were winning the game on all fronts, laptop-wise. So Microsoft had to step up and do something. So they brought out the Surface series. Now you can get the Surface Book, which obviously you can remove the, the screen from, or you can get the Surface Pro, which basically come, comes as a tablet, but you can get the keyboard as well. I mean, ever since I've had my Surface Pro, I love it. The, how quickly it powers up and the ease of usage of the rest of it. Now what they're trying to do is basically transfer this down to a phone size, which will basically be able to, so it would be able to flip on both sides. So you could just have it flipped around as if it was just a phone. You can flip it out so it sits on, so it can stand up on itself. You can flip it so it would be just be doubled down and you could use it. As a, it looks, I mean, if they manage to pull it off and integrate it with uh, mobile application technology, then this will be a problem for the iPhone. For once, and for Samsung, because yeah. Apple and Samsung, I mean, eventually, I think they put to bed their disputes since 2007 this week on who stole the um, uh, the original design. I think Samsung lost; they had to pay Apple. Um, but this is this is different because they've always focused on the singular phone, which is just the tablet on the front side. Now, this is different in as much as you can flip it down, and it can become. A, a, a basically a pad within itself yeah or you can flip it round and it acts to serve the same purpose as an iphone but so it's all right how much it will cost i don't know i mean the, the what the andromeda is what they've got it under at the moment i assume they will change the name i assume that, that is just uh for their time of writing it if they also integrate that with the stylus that they use for the surface books which i assume that they will then it really comes down to how cost-effective can they make this? Because the surfaces at the moment aren't probably the most cost-effective. But that said, they're probably in line with Max, to be fair, if you're going for a surface book. I, I will be very interested to see where this goes. I think that... I, I think it looks sick. It could be a game-changer. Because it it'll go against um, Samsung's Note, Note 9 and... Um, Apple's phone X, not not really Apple's phone X, but well, it's just it's just different. It creates it. It does. The only thing that makes it is the fact that it can fit in your pocket. Is the thing that lines that syncs it up between your mobile and your PC. If they can if they can take the power that they can get from, and again, don't be wrong, you can do a lot with with your iPhone anyway. That flip from, I mean, the the thing that you'll sacrifice. The thing, the question is going to be about it is how how small can it be how small it is pocketable. But they're also coming into the game where most people, I mean, I used to be one of the people who was like, I was never going to get a plus or on any of the iPhones, so that's too big. And then when I moved on to it, I was like, you quickly get used to it, right? So that bridge has been gapped for a lot of, um, that, that gap has been bridged for a lot of consumers. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. 
All right, I'll be excited about that one. Got some a few few Keep more news stories to clean up before we end. Um, so where we go? So I'll do the Trump one first. So Trump and Donald Trump and Putin are gonna. Um, I plan to have a meeting in July. Uh, it's on the fifth, on the sixteenth of July. It's going to be held in uh, Finland, and it's interesting because it'll be the first time that Trump and um, Putin will meet officially. To it'll be, be interesting to see what they talk about. Well, it's the first, yeah, the first time they've had a one-to-one meeting, isn't it? Because often they meet on the fringes of other summits. Yeah. Um, I will be interested in this one because Trump has often stayed away from speaking negatively towards Putin and Russia. Now, you always say because he looks up to him, but by the by, whatever reason it is, he's always stayed away from him. But now he's being alienated by, and, and also there's a degree of, well, you can't really create too much engagement there whilst you've got everybody trying to claim, obviously, that he works with the Russians to get into power anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, now, whilst he's now being alienated by everybody, every other country in the world, he's extending his hand out to try and meet with Russia. So... It's kind of creating an interesting dynamic at an interesting point in time. I don't know what his intention is. Oh, this was funny. I was listening to something the other day because it's always it's always a strange. It's a bit like the George Bush era, right? It, it, it's got this like this strange dichotomy on the way that people look at Trump. Like they look at him like he's an idiot, but then at the same time, everything that he's doing has got some wonderful genius intent in mind. I think that he just does. He's a bit like the Joker to me. He just does chaos. stuff chaos. like, yeah. and he just likes to cause chaos because. That's just that's part of his game. Whether it be negative chaos or positive chaos, it is what it is. He just seems to me to just do stuff as it comes into his mind. Um, so I'm not sure what the plan is for for all of this to come out. It'll be, but it'll be interesting. And interestingly, it's also been arranged by Bolton as well, who is not particularly a fan of. Well, it's quite an outspoken uh, against mm-hmm. Moscow in the past. So it will be it'll be interesting to see how this uh, shapes up. All right, and then the final story of the week. Voodoo, um, a woman tried, a woman used voodoo to, to um, force women into sex work. So, uh, let me get the story open. I just put this in here because it was a bit bizarre. It's, yeah. So, it was the first time, um, so, the first time the 2015 anti-slavery laws have been um, enacted, um, the, the nurse was Josephine Yam, Yamnamu. She, I probably butchered the name. She was guilty of sex trafficking. trafficking. Um, she had five victims. She, the way she um, put control over them was that she forced them into do um, voodoo rituals. The rituals included eating chicken hearts, drinking blood containing worm, drinking blood containing worms, and having powder rubbed into their cuts. And um, by this, it, it, it made them have a psychological. Um, uh, hold over those over the um, women, and um, she was declaring that she had a modest income of only fourteen and a half thousand pounds in two thousand sixteen to two thousand seventeen. They found that she was able to set, afford to send thousands of money um, abroad to to Nigeria. She had a large home in Benin City in Nigeria, so it looked all a little bit dodgy. And then they found out that she was forcing women into sex trade. Um, it's a bit bizarre. It's a so, strange story. Yeah. In the day and age of, I mean, I won't be a funny, but what? Yeah. Come on, voodoo ceremonies. I'm not believing this. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think it's just, it's it's, it's um, you have to. I think you have to believe it to yeah. be con by it. Yeah, by con by it. Yeah. So um, yeah, she, now she'll be doing voodoo in jail. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. Um, but she'll be sentenced on Wednesday. The whole thing's a bit weird. It's because of, it's she's just she's just um, riding on people's ignorance. 
and people's fear of of the, of the unknown. She's got an evil face though. Yeah. Like straight up. Yeah. She got if on. you had to pick somebody who looked like they could be a witch, I mean, I think it's the way they manipulate the photo as well. But she just looks like she's got black eyes from hell. Yeah. As in, like you can't you can't see the distinction between her, her pupils. So it just looks like she's got black eyes that go into an abyss. Yeah. Not good. All right. Ben, what have you read this week? Um, what have I read this week? Um, I keep I, I keep saying it's Black Swan because every time I keep thinking about it, I keep thinking of Full by Randomness, and it's not. Um, so I, I read Black Swan ages ago, but I hadn't. I think it was like on sale um, on Audible, so I was like, well, since it's on sale, I can't miss it. So I have been listening to that. I think that is the only one I've been listening to so far. I downloaded another couple. Um, caught up on a couple of podcasts. Uh, there's no. Uh, I was wait. I keep checking regularly, but I haven't seen a new Sam Harris one now. Yeah, the new Sam Harris one. I checked it. I checked it. I've been checking it as well. They and I haven't seen any Joe Rogan ones that I wanted to listen to. This um, week. They were quite oh. funny. I, I listened to Duncan Russell, Duncan Truffle, whatever the name, Duncan Russell, and Ari Shafir, both of his friends, and they they were quite funny. Uh, they've gone to mad. Let's talk about any, everything and anything. Yeah, Irish uh, Fear ones are always bizarre. Yeah. I think I started listening to that, but didn't finish. Yeah. Um, this week, I haven't read anything yet, but I've, I've been watching Did, things what? on Aaron and... Ayn Rand. Yeah, I saw what what was explain because I saw you post some... No, it's really funny. saying that you've been really introduced well, to... Well, I, I was talking to um, Claude about it and I was saying, we're saying, what's my political, ide- political ideology? And what do I... What do I relate to most? And I was like, well, I don't relate to the conservatives. I'm not Tory. I don't relate to the um, Tories. I'm not naturally conservative. I'm very liberal, but I'm not. I'm not left wing. In, in I believe that in I do believe in in the rights of the individual over the groups. And then, um, Claude, me and Claude were like, we we're talking about um, the world, and I was, and I said it's just the way it is. And then Claude went, Iron Rand, and I was like, yeah, I've heard about Iron Rand. And then, then I watched videos of her on um, YouTube, and it was like, wow, this what she's saying is pretty much what I believe in. But I'm not a fundamentalist in in that sense. So Iron Man believes that the government is the um, the government does things by force, and and therefore, she says, um, it's quite it's not complicated, but it's, it's based on objectivism. Is that the what she sees the world as it, how, as it is, not on how she wants it to be. And um, and that's how I see the world. Well, I see the world how it is. Bad things happen. It's bad. It's like Animal Kingdom. It's the things that happen in Animal Kingdom. It happens. People do bad stuff. It happens. Um, however, I'm not a fundament- I'm not a fundamentalist libertarian. I don't believe. I do believe sometimes the state needs to get involved. I I'm, I do. I'm an advocate of the free market. However, I do think that the state needs to come get involved and place controls on the free market because of human nature. I do believe that. The individual individual rights should be protected over that of the group, and that's the reason why I see that is because of Brexit. Because <laughs> uh, I just think a lot, I think a lot of people are stupid. I generally need to believe that the majority of people are stupid. I, 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 I'm not. I don't think before when you say majority of people are stupid, people think you're saying it's a bad thing. I'm like, no, it's just how it is. People, majority of people are not very smart, and they don't. Understand. On a measure of what? Because it is bad. So I, I not, think that's been a negative conversation. Not, so. not, and a, not, not. Not on, not on the basis of intellect, intellect of academic intellect. I take it on the basis of poor reasoning, and I think it's because of people placing too much, too much 
So they're not stupid then. Either you believe they're ignorant or you believe they're naive, but stupid maybe. Yeah, it's, it's ignorant and naive. It's, they fall on those two paths. I think people's reasoning is bad. And I find that um, a lot of times people, they, they are intellectually smart, but when it comes to reasoning, they reason, on a, on a, they reason very narrowly. They don't, they don't step back and take away their, their viewpoints of their emotions. What do you mean they're intellectually smart? Huh? I'm going to pressure on this now. But. Well, I mean, my intellectual smart, I think people, can, I think people, I think school-wise, people are able to um, learn things and they can learn maths and learn English very quickly and stuff like that. That's basis of that. So, so they have a, I would argue that they probably score higher on the barometer from an intelligence perspective then, but intellectually, yeah. it's probably where they lack. Yeah. Probably vice versa around. Exactly. So, but then I say that reason, because I don't think you need to be academically smart to be, to have very good reasoning. I think people just reason but they place too much value on emotion and subjectivity instead of emo- objectivity. Sometimes you just step back and say, okay, um, instead of placing your own, uh, your own emotions and your own values on stuff, step, step back and look, f- look at things for how they actually are instead of how you want them to be. And I think a lot of times with, when people reason, they, and that's what, and the funny thing is, is that when I talk to people like yourself and my friend Claude, you're able to reason with things, even if, you, even if what you're reasoning with, even if the way you um, the outcome of what you're reasoning makes you feel uncomfortable. Even if, even if you don't agree, even if it affects the way you see the, the world, yeah, you're able to reason things independently of how you how you want the world to be, and that's why I think that's a that's that's a sign of that's a sign of high intellect. Intellect. That's that's, 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 that's yeah. a sign of high intellect, and that's why I think people are stupid. Yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> so so you think people in general? I'm just trying to tease out what you're trying to say there. But in general, you, it sounds like more what you're saying is that there are, there are less people of heightened intellect out there as opposed to stupid because they take in what they see, but they don't protect, particularly have any kind of means of critical yeah. thinking or approach to understanding of it. Yeah, and, it's, and when I say critical thinking, people don't understand context. I see all the time. I'm see, I, I see it in groups yeah, of like WhatsApp groups when like people are arguing and stuff. I see it when people have general conversations. I see people, it's just like, Context, okay. So you you don't understand context. You don't understand, okay. You don't understand reasoning. Okay, I can see where you where logical misstep. You, you hear me say this. I say it a lot. Logical missteps. People think in a certain way. They go a one plus one is two, and then they go okay, and they get to logical misstep. It's because they they haven't stepped back. They've taken their viewpoint. They've looked at things very very narrowly. They haven't stepped back and looked at things on a on a, on a wider scale, and I'm. I used to do this. I used to look at things and go, okay, one plus one is two. And um, a, point, a point in case could be, um, you know, in America this week, so they, they had, you had that woman that um, called the police on the eight-year-old girl and because um, the eight-year-old girl was selling water. And the same thing with the woman of calling up. I didn't see that. Oh, so this week, it's, uh, the funny thing the woman, both women look, look quite similar, both a bit of a bit, bit, of, bit of, of weight, both non-attractive. And, both white middle-aged women called the police. She called the police because an eight-year-old girl was sending them water outside her building. She said that she was trying to work from home and the eight-year-old girl was screaming and was being loud. And so she called the police. And then her mother, the mother of the eight-year-old girl called, um, videotaped her. Now, now, if you looked at it for, on, on a microscope, or if you looked at it for the prism of race, you say the reason why she called, she called, the, um, she called the police it was because it was a black eight-year-old girl. And on that basis, if you said that, then you have the logical misstep. The reason why she called the police because she's racist. Maybe the reason why she called the police because she's miserable in her job, in her, in her life, because she's a, she's a, um, she's a, she's a uh, 
what's it called, middle class um, housewife who has nothing going for her in her life yet and she feels that the only way she can assert a little bit because she has nothing power. Yeah, but then she could she be racist as well. You can't make not, an assumption based on absolute information. But, that's, that's, but I'm, I'm not saying... I'm not saying you can't, but you can't. You can't make a final conclusion on a small, on a small micro. I can't say the word. Micro of evidence. You can't just say because she's because she called a police on on an eight year old girl. She's racist. In the same way, you can't say because she because because um, we don't know. Yeah, but you can make certain inferences because of people's behaviour. Now, I'm not saying that she was racist, but you you've also looked into. So you're seeking a deeper context on something that doesn't exist. So in the absence of information, then people will only ever read. It's quite interesting. They touch on this on the Black Swan quite a lot, and randomness is in effect just the absence of information. Yeah. Right? But if somebody has made it, to, so if you've got eight year old girl. Eight-year-old black. The thing is, unless you've got a, a double, girl. well, unless you've got a double experiment where you have a white girl, and there's lots of ways that you can mirror this experiment. You can put a white girl in a black neighborhood, a black girl in a black neighborhood, a black girl in a white neighborhood, but <laughs> vice versa. A million ways around it. But in the absence of having any of that, you couldn't reach a conclusion on the means by which the person is making that decision. <laughs> You also, people will always make inferences based on the information that comes to mind. So from a cultural perspective, and also this was put in the media. So the media will, the media need to make a story. Yeah. That is not much of a story if they can't in some way point to race. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing. That just purely is what it is. It is. Right? Yeah. This is why the media are insidious nowadays, because they're trying to sell a story rather than sell a truth. They, yeah. The media exists to sell lies. That is part of what they, they do, which is strange. It sounds like a bit like a Donald Trump line there and fake news in it, but that is primarily part of their goal. But, but that's what I'm, but what, what I'm saying is there is that sometimes when you rationalise, sometimes when you rationalise objectively, you're going to get to conclusions that will make you feel uncomfortable. It's people, and I find that sometimes I, I struggle when I'm, when I'm talking to someone having a intellectual conversation and they double down on, in a, on a point that's highly ignorant because of the conclusion that, that that they reach does not agree with their worldview, and I don't understand. That. And that's when I see. That's why I see poor intellect. I think sometimes when you, when you, I'm not saying. I think that's ego and pride as well, though, right? Because sometimes I think we said it last week, and I was talking to somebody else. If you don't know about something, you can just say I don't know about something. Yeah. But when somebody then claims that they know about something where they actually don't know about something, so there are some times where I can't be bothered to get into arguments with some people, right? But sometimes if I feel like now I'm going to get involved in this argument, it's because I feel well-educated and knowledgeable enough about the topic mm -hmm. that I can get into this discussion. And then it becomes frustrating because I'm like, I've, I've just schooled you on exactly why you're wrong and exactly why I'm right. But you won't shift your position more because you can't give up that social currency or the fact of being wrong in front of a group of people. It's quite amusing because they then are unable to see the fact that by further digging digging in in their position, which has clearly been shown to be incorrect now, only fuels to further display their ignorance rather than anything else. So people, it, it, I don't know, uh, again, I have these conversations more in the context of with males. I've, I had this conversation with somebody last week and she was like, no, it happens with girls as well. I, and, and I'm sure they do, but I don't, I, I, at least in closed group conversations, I, I don't tend to see that. I also think the way that you discuss stuff in text is, is a bit... 
people will handle their communication slightly differently because once it's down in text it's easy for people to one you can misunderstand the context which means you need to be careful with your use of words but also once your words are down they can be tracked back to yeah. so therefore if somebody realizes they made a mistake earlier on in the, their argument they can't really turn back on that because the fear is well somebody will then call out the fact that they've got a conflicting statement with it um, which to be fair I've done with people before I'm like well now you're saying this but you said that earlier just make up your mind sometimes this is a bit of fun and sport and game right yeah. but there are there there are a mixture of many dynamics i think we speak to why it's difficult to have those kind of conversations nowadays but the issue but then going back to iron Rand, the reason why i find it interesting is because of that that's a third world view that there's a third world view there i don't I, I think most people the, the identity politics rising why were you having the why were you having the conversation though um it's because uh, As in, why were you having the conversation of what political identity you associate yourself with? Because most, because um, when we were discussing our friends and our groups and friends, most of my friends was just would describe themselves as liberals, but most of them are not liberal. If you spoke, if you actually had conversations with them, they are small C conservatives. They they believe in the right of law. They um, they are not very liberal when it comes to social issues. If you ask them about um, homosexuality and the right for gay people to, to marry and other ideas, they they want to impose the state rules on start, certain things. And when you push them on certain things, you, you find out they're not very liberal. However, they'll say they're liberal and they vote for Labour, but the reason why they vote for Labour is not because of they agree with Labour's policies or anything in regards to that. But do they say they're liberal or you assume they're liberal because liberal because they vote for a certain party? I think they use the word liberal. Because, I think they use the word... Li- I think people used to call themselves liberal because because they use the word, li- they use the word liberal in a, in a case of... The, the American version of the word liberal, which means to be um, progressive and to be... I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm assuming that because they vote for Labour, they believe in, in, they believe in um, being liberal, but I, don't, I wouldn't say the Liberal Labour Party are, are very liberal. But do you believe that people vote for a party based on their actual... So, do you, people, on think, their, on, let's um, invert a comment here, on their political identity that they align with? I don't I, think they do. I think people always vote on... You don't think that? I don't think so. I don't think whether you feel yourself to be a conservative or a liberal minded person defines in this day and age what party you vote for. I think in the old school generation it probably does, and you'll get some people who will tie being liberal to a certain party and being conservative to obviously the conservatives, and for that reason will persistently vote for that party. I don't think that in this generation people feel such an association to a party based on their. And again, I'm going to call it, in inverted commas, political belief, because I, am in what, I for one, in ways and means, and we discussed this on a podcast many, many moons ago, it feels like now, when Claude was on this. Yeah. But I have a feeling that, look, the terms liberal and conservative have existed for, for many moons yeah. and generations, right? And I don't believe that you need to seek to put yourself into any of them. You yeah. ask me what political identity I, I associate to, I'll tell you, I'm Ben. Yeah. I'm Ben and I believe what I believe. The problem is that you think that way. A lot of people don't think that way. A lot of people, a lot of, if, if, if that was the case, a lot of black people wouldn't vote, wouldn't just vote for Labour just because they, just because of their Labour. When you look at, when you look at this, um, the polls and exit polls, black people vote for Labour because they're Labour. They don't vote, they don't even look at the policies of Labour. They just vote for Labour because of their Labour. Um, I, I think they vote for Labour because Conservatives historically are... Historically racist? Have been historically no, racist. I don't think that that's why they vote. I, I, don't, I, I don't think that that is the case at all. I think if you go out there and ask people... If you just done a quick random poll on the streets right now, and I don't know this because I don't have the stats, um, but I would imagine that most people will, if they really told the truth about it, vote 
against conservatives because conservatives traditionally nowadays have the image of the rich upper class yeah. white white parties, right? right? That, and so, but that's not that's got nothing to do with also, the history of the conservative party. That's also still a, a form of identity politics. Yeah, but it's for a different reason. It's yeah, not tying it. It's not tying it to. So no, 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 no. I'm, I'm probably wrong. That's tying it to a. That's tying it to a demographic. In my mind, that's not actually tying. It, well, it's tying it to an identity that votes for that party. But there's a difference between that and your political identity, I think, because people would traditionally say, well, are you a liberal, are you conservative, or are you a socialist? And they will go down all of these lists. And this crea these were created in times, these words were created in times, and the definitions for them, primarily, in times where people, it wasn't the parties that they followed. They, they, I mean, it was, it was much clearer. It was, there were socialist parties, there yeah. were conservative parties, and they, they represented the absolute definition of what those words meant. Mm -hmm. And now, I think that we've deviated from the mean there, where these parties actually don't rep represent all of those traditional values, which means people's desire to follow them is not because they're harnessed against any particular of the values that used to represent this political identity. I don't think that that exists anymore. I think that they are sold, especially in the days, a, a generation where I think there is less of an association or a feel to be uh, loyal to any particular party and in a day and age where the social media circus and the media circus and the marketing circus around any vote is much easier to, to spread than it ever has been because of the usage of the internet, right? I believe that people are just voting for the, the policies that they hear. Nothing to do with the values of the party. But then, but then if that was the case then, why, why, why are exit polls so predictable? Why, why, why are the votes... So Exit polls aren't very predictable. No, but, but you can... I can... I can... I, I know the next, tw next two elections that the majority of black people are going to vote for Labour. The majority of... The majority of black people are going to vote for Labour because traditionally... Because when you look at it, they associate the Conservatives with a, demogra a demographic that represent okay. rich white, white people. Yeah, but then that's what I'm saying... I, and Labour, let's be clear, Jeremy Corbyn went out and sought to look for the, the parties where he thought he could get the votes. And what he did is he basically looked for the youth and he looked for the black youth. There's a reason that he went out and got people from the grime yeah. industry there. That's nothing to do with the values of the Labour Party. That's to do with him leveraging a marketing position. Same thing as Donald Trump done. Yeah, I don't think people... I, 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 I... I'm, I'm, and you may I, you may vote for a party because you believe in the, in the values of that party. But then I could argue if the parties no longer stick to their traditional values, then who's who's worse off there? Somebody who's va who's doing it based on the values of the parties traditionally, or somebody who's doing it based on the policies that come out. And is it easier for a person who's voting based on the policies, absent of understanding what the traditional values are, because then they're not trying to tie the two together? Yeah, but. Uh, I would, I would, I would appreciate, and I probably prefer people vote for the people vote for policies. But when I ask, when you ask people about policies, most people don't actually understand what policies of the parties are. Yeah, but I don't think that's because they're voting for the values of the parties either. Okay, so you, it, 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 I think I, I would prefer if someone, if people voted for policies rather than what you would I, prefer. What you would prefer is if people voted based on information, not would. on just. What they see as the the closest link to them. Yeah, and that's the reason. It's why lazy voting at the end yeah, of the day. Exactly, and that's the reason why the last election, last local election, I didn't vote because I couldn't see a party which aligned to what I, the policies that would work for both for, for me. And it's the reason why when I voted in the last general election, I couldn't vote for. I, 
I'm normally a, I'm normally a Labour Labour voter, and I couldn't vote for Labour in the last election. So I, I I voted for Liberals, knowing that it's a it's a cop out because I couldn't pick. I wouldn't vote for the Tories. I, I voted for Labour in the last. It's the first time I ever voted, and 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 I don't and I don't vote. Um, and I'll, I'll admit I bought into the Corbyn hype just naively for me, and it was probably I, I paid attention to some of the policies, and obviously you've got the policies that were on display from a, a Tory perspective. However, I probably haven't spent enough. The, the, the bottom line is, and again, this fundamentally comes down to the fact that I probably voted more Labour because of the lack of faith in the Tories. But the reason I never commonly vote, and somebody says to me, well, if you don't vote, you can't complain. It's very rare that you'll actually find me. I, I will talk about the um, lack of qualities of the current party, but you will often find that I offset that yeah. with the lack of qualities in the other party. And my, at least as far as I can see back, what happens is, is somebody gets voted in, and then they make the same promises after their first term as they originally made to get in. And then they say, well, we had to do that because we were cleaning up the mess of the people who'd done it before. Mm. And then by the end of it, they're then in a position to start trying to implement some kind of changes, but then they get voted out again. Right. So sometimes I think there is a position of making a decision on who should be voted in or out based on the current economic environment. So, for instance, when Labour got replaced with Tories, I was inclined, I think that Labour should have stayed in. Not because I agree with what Labour done, because we were in the middle of trying to make it out of an economic recession, and I thought it was better to have the same party consistently through that to pursue one direction than change in the middle of that. And I think that that has been proven by the extended amount of time that it's taken us to get and out. And that, that was also based on the marketing of, of how the media presented the recession to people, because people believed that it was a fault of Labour, that the recession is about actually understanding that the wider, the wider global scale of an impact of the wider global market had on the British economy, people that therefore... Well, I had a conversation with somebody before who didn't believe that the global recession had an impact on the economy. Yeah. Which is, yeah which, which is impossible because a recession represents the behaviour of the economy, therefore. You've got to have one about the other, but... That's what I'm saying. So when... when, 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 when um, the media is telling you that it's a the reason why you're having this um, recession and you're having it's called a bad plan of labour. They don't actually understand what's actually going on in going on in the world. What's going on in the wider in the wider global market? And that's why, and that's the reason why I get back to my original point. People are stupid. I think people are. There's information out there. We live in an age of information. There's so much information out there. People are lazy. Okay, look, they're not stupid because I've, I've said this before. They're not stupid. They're lazy. There's information out there. There's no reason for you not to be able to understand simple policies like Brexit. Brexit is the one that hurts me the most. Yeah, but these are, I think, the same reason. Sorry, I'm just trying to be understanding of the reasons, the true reasons behind these. Again, part of these, I think, are even laziness or not, part of it is just a shell for change. So things weren't going right under Labour. And when people are not listened to, they will make the decision that will cause the biggest uproar. I think that's the reason that we're exiting the EU. Not because not because people thought it was the right thing to do, because the people in the poorer parts, like, there were some people who were straight up, like flat out took the whole immigration and racism point of view, yeah. right? But a lot of people were like, this isn't working for me in the EU. I've got no money and I haven't had any money. And all your policies say, I'm not getting any money. And this person, one is telling me, yeah, we could, it would be better for our society in general if we're independent of the EU and can we, we can build up. But part of it was, I'm shouting and I'm complaining and you're not hearing me. And the easiest way for me to hit home is to get us out of the EU because then you have to listen to us. Mm. So part of it, and again, this is why the, the outcome is now dependent on so many different variables. I don't actually think that the, the, the requirement to associate yourself with any particular 
political identity is necessary anymore. More to the point, if you do try to do so, you'll actually find yourself looking at it and saying what you mentioned earlier is that some people will say they're liberal, but they actually don't display all the traits of uh, a liberalist, right? But then if you say that they're not, <coughs> then they might necessarily want to double down on the parts that they're missing of. Then they just become. Then they fall into just making themselves associate with that identity rather than actually. Be, and there should be no need to, because at the end of the day, you should just be able to be who you want to be. You should be able to kind of partake in a vote by doing it on policy-based decisions yeah. rather than who you particularly think that you should associate with. Yeah. Until you get to a point of that, then we will have this round about the houses conversation about identity politics, which I just think is pointless anyway because again for me people just double down to be part of yes be part of the 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 person who represents who they think their friends and family should vote for as well um so i do think it's part of laziness but there are many variables i think that that feed into this nowadays as to why i think the discussion and the traditional terms for the different types of um political parties and philosophies that exist i don't think are any more applicable all right guys on that note (laughs) Um, as always, can you rate and subscribe us on um, SoundCloud and, and iTunes or Apple Music? And um, yeah, and if you share with your friends and Facebook, we have a Facebook page, The Light Podcast. We have a Twitter handle, The Light Podcast, and we're on Instagram as well. Um, as always, um, it's Lights Out from me. Hope you have a great weekend and a great week. And Lights Out from me too. Peace out, people.